Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 256 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we have an amazing interview with former UFC middleweight star. He's retired now, Mike Quickswick. Fresh off of his gigantic battle with lymphoblastic lymphoma, he had stage four leukemia, basically, and beat it in pretty much record time. So we've got a nice, big, juicy interview with him. But first, we are going to talk about this upcoming UFC Fight Night card headlined by uh, Corey Sandhagen and Rob Font. It is at a catchweight of 140 pounds it's actually a decent enough card it is not at the apex and there is the reason why victor how the hell are you i am doing better uh <laughs> having some struggles here and there but um we've got some got some interesting projects and stuff along the way quick quick plug though before anything else and i i, I sorry to blindside you with this but the mailbag. Yes, Bloody Elbow has a mailbag. Please be sure to email us at mailbag at bloodyelbow.com, and you will have me answering uh, any of your mon- questions, whether they are mundane, exciting. They don't have to be about fighting. They don't have to be about life. It could be whatever. Substack users will be getting priority, so if you are, of course, a subscriber, please be sure to include your Substack username. And uh, yeah, man, it's all good stuff. That's that's pretty much what we got, all that I can really discuss at the moment. But I'm good. You know why? Because this, of course, is one of the things I look most to every week, and I'm happy to be doing it with Steffi. Yay! <laughs> all right. Well, What am I to do with such a sterling uh, introduction there? But to get right down to brass tacks. Now, we selected five fights, but this is, as I said earlier, a pretty damn good card for fight night, you know, because we have been relegated to really ugly cards recently for those fight nights because they're always at the apex. Now we're seeing a few cards here and there being thrown out in different places. And why is that? Why did we have this past weekend's pay-per-view, a giant pay-per-view? Why was that in Salt Lake City, Utah? Well, I'll tell you why. Because of site fees. That's right. The UFC can solicit site fees. And they they are getting big, giant site fees because I believe Utah paid somewhere in the neighborhood. I Was it between five and seven million, right? You want to know why the UFC doesn't go to Hawaii? This is why. Because the Hawaiian government is not afraid to tell them to go, just go kick rocks. 
don't fucking bother us. We're not. We have real problems in this state in order to be out here forking over six, seven million, eight million, whatever it is That's that they've right. been charging. Now, I don't know what the exact. I don't know what, what the the ballpark figures were for this. I did see something along those lines that it was in between like four and seven, which I mean. You know, that that's that's a very wide berth. And that's an, a very unfortunate thing too. All we have is speculation at the moment. But yeah, it's still money that could have gone, you know, anywhere else in the state, but it went right to the UFC's pockets. Indeed. You know, Hawaii had said, Hey, if you could come within our range, I mean you're asking way more than we actually paid for the Pro Bowl. I mean, come on. The Pro Bowl, the NFL Pro Bowl, and you're asking more than that? They they are on a limited budget. Most places are. Man, that's just something yeah. else. But uh, yeah. we, we do benefit from it, so it's kind of grimy, but we're getting a decent enough card. I mean, even from the Curtain Jerker, you get Ode Osborne in the Curtain Jerker. That dude, win or lose, he's exciting. You don't really get ugly fights out of him. So, I mean, it's a great, great opener. Flyweights always are, though, aren't they? Well, I've said this so many times. There is no higher bar for entry and no higher... Um, level of of like pure rounded you know you 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 need to be really insanely good to be able to hang at flyweight much less contend so uh yeah this that that shows this is another one of those situations where you're seeing two dudes that you know i'm not sure what might happen in the future with you know either one of them but i'm excited to see them this time yeah you got nine and one Sean Woodson taking on LFA star Myron Santos, who is 13 and one. That's a great fight to put together at, at featherweight. Really good fight. Yes, Excellent. I realize uh, name value is not heavy in, in this fight, um, but they're, they're, it's good, solid fights building up their undercard. Yes. So. Yes, exactly. And Woodson, you know, he fights ugly, but he manages to have some sensational finishes and he fights smart. So I want to see what he does against that. This is another sleeper like this whole card, man. There's there's some really, really great. This is like probably the most solid fight night event I can think of in recent memory. Yeah. Now we have after that. Jake Hadley taking on Cody Durden. Jake Hadley's 10 and 1, Cody Durden 15 and 4. I am not a fan of Cody Durden, so I will be rooting for Jake Hadley full <laughs> throttle in that bout. Well, you should. He's exciting as fuck. <clears throat> Have you seen what he did in Cage Warriors? Yeah. That guy's insane. He's great. Yeah. Now we have Billy Q taken on damon jackson and that is going to be the first fight that we pick so victor why don't you take it away i feel bad for my guy damon jackson i kind of feel like he's another one of those super tricky dudes we've seen him eke out wins in ways that you know just just when you think oh man yeah it looks like it's the beginning of the end frame like aha gotcha bitch he just turns it around but i mean billy q is the steady hand man he's still showing progression and growth and space and he's got his He's got great timing. He sits down on his punches. He, you know, works the takedowns when he needs to. He's just such a, like, super complete dude. I got to go with him. All right. Well, I am also going with Billy Quarantillo, but that is more for I always root for him. I can't help myself. Uh, Damon Jackson, listen, that dude is a 
great, great grappler. So Billy Quarantilla will not be facing someone that's a gimme in this fight. But I think he's got enough in the tank to to handle him. So I'm going with Billy Quarantillo, Tio, and so is Mookie. Now we get to Jeremiah Wells, Carlston Oof. Harris. Another fun fight. Again, not ranked though. If you get the, the pattern here, there's not a lot of ranked fights on this card. But what we are getting are recognizable names. They're not cards where I look at the fighter's name. Like for instance, so far, the only name I haven't recognized has been Asu Almabayev. That is mm -hmm. Ode Osborne's opponent. I am not familiar. And I'm also not familiar with Myron Santos. I recognize LFA, but I'm not familiar with him. I haven't watched him fight. But and in fairness, in fairness to you, he's making his UFC debut, which, exactly. you know, I mean, that's not, yeah. And I believe Asu Almabayev or Almabayev is yes. as well so he is yes um but when we get deeper into the card the jake hadley versus cody durden we have billy quarantillo taking on damon jackson that's great name value billy quarantillo you know delivers action fights damon jackson as well we're here with jeremiah wells and carlston harris again names we recognize not ranked but names we recognize we're not picking that fight but we are gonna pick the next one, again, recognizable names. Hani Barcelos taking on Kyler Phillips. Victor, take it away. Mm, uh, you know what? Here's another tricky one, right? Because uh, Barcelos, very talented guy. We see what his bread and butter is with his striking. Um, we've also seen Kyler Phillips kind of like... I don't know. We we we've we've seen what uh, I think we've seen pretty much the top of his evolution. But that win over Song Yadong kind of said some things about him. You know, he ended up losing to Raulian Paiva and then a win against Marcelo Rojo. So, um, I yeesh. I kind of want to pick Kyler though. I'm feeling a little reckless. I feel like 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 Rowney probably is one of those dudes who's like, I feel maybe he's running out of tricks. I don't know. I I don't. I guess I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Kyler. As we all are, <laughs> Mookie and I both are taking him. Um, you know, Honey Barcelos has a ceiling, and it's quite obvious. And Kyler yeah. Phillips is the guy that kind of guy that beats Honey Barcelos. Yeah. So uh, we we would be kind of uh, taking the dumb guy's pick, even though there's an opportunity there for Honey Barcelos. The, the the greater opportunity lies with Kyler Phillips. So. We're going to make the smart people picks. Then we have Ignacio Bahamondes and Ludovic Klein. That's a great fight at 155. But in the interest of time, it's why we chose only five fights to break down. Because the interview with Mike Swick is kind of long. So we want to make sure that we're not killing y'all today. So <clears throat> we're, gonna, we're not going to break that down. But again, good fight. Recognizable names. Not ranked, but still good stuff. And then we move into light heavyweight. I, you know, listen, that's that's a division that has always needed work because we always compared everyone to John Jones. Now John Jones is gone, and now we have this frantic mess at the top. It's quite chaotic at, at light heavy, and I dig it. I mean, we've had 
two champions in a row have to uh, basically give up their belts. Now, I don't know that they had to, but they were probably urged to give up their belts. And now it's free for all again. I, I dig this so much. But here are two guys that aren't going to be in the running. And that's Tanner Bozer and Alexa Kamer. Once again, recognizable names. Alexa Kamer, a little less so than Tanner Bozer, but still, we have recognizable names. Then we get to the next fight, and we are choosing this one. Gavin Tucker taking on Diego Lopez, and this is at featherweight. And, you know, Diego Lopez had that battle recently. Um, he fought, uh, what was his name? Mozart um, Evloev. Yeah, Evloev. And he gave Evloev a run for his money on just a couple of days' notice. But the thing is, is if you go back through his record, you will, you will see a pattern there. And that is when he takes steps up, whether they are full fight camps or just a, a few days or a few weeks notice he has a problem and there there's a, a definite ceiling there and gavin tucker is i believe well above his ceiling so i am taking gavin tucker look so gavin tucker good stuff good stuff i am also picking gavin tucker i just want to mention something i want you to think of a show i used to love called the golden girls Okay, <laughs> Sophia, played by Estelle Getty, would have to bring you into the flashback. Picture it. Las Vegas, 2023, in the basement of the UFC offices. Who was there but Mick Maynard with a giant cauldron with the name Bloody Elbow carved into it. And he's stirring it with a giant broomstick. He's just making witchcraft happen to finally, finally get a fight night that we can shut the fuck up about and not complain. And he's just stirring that thing with vigor. His triceps popping. Oh, show those motherfuckers. Especially that ugly ass Dominican. That's what he's doing. And you know what, McManard? Good job. <laughs> Good job. Don't ever let it be said that I didn't say anything nice about McManard. But also, don't tell too many people I said something nice about McManard. I mean, you, you know, we gotta we gotta keep this shit reined in. <laughs> so all three of us are taking Gavin Tucker. Now we get to this next fight. It is our third fight from the top, and oh my gosh, we finally have a ranked fighter. That is in Dustin Jacoby. Kennedy and Jukwu is taking him on. And I, if I recall correctly, the last time Kenny, Kennedy and Jukwu fought, I was the only one to pick him correctly to win. Because you and Mookie picked Devin Clark in that fight. As a matter of fact, you and Mookie also picked Iwan Kutalaba in the fight before that. And I picked Kennedy. I've been a fan of Kennedy for a while. He might be very reckless and wild and get drawn into stupid exchanges that he shouldn't get drawn into. But he has proven to be resilient and durable. And when he gets his rhythm down, and it normally takes him most of the first round or all of the first round, man, once he settles in, that is it. And he he can do so much stuff. I mean, I love the standing guillotine. I mean, he, he can knock you out. I mean, just wow. He's really good. And I'm taking him here, but he is not ranked. He's finally getting a ranked guy because we've been calling for him to get a ranked guy. Light heavyweight is not so dense that you can't give a guy someone ranked when they've got the record that Kennedy and Jukwu has displayed recently. And Dustin Jacoby is sitting at number 15. 
So here is our first ranked fighter. I obviously am taking Nchukwu. Oh, we're not picking this fight. God dang it. <laughs> I think I did that on purpose because y'all were always, uh, one of you complained about Kennedy and Chukwu being a bad fight in his life. Well, you know what the thing is? He he's just a very raw guy. Yes. I'm done doubting him. I'm I'm picking him too, just for just to just to put that out there. Yeah. Because at this point, like you kind of have to. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he's showing that that he's got that growth. And Dustin Jacoby showed um way less than I had hoped in that last fight against Murzakano. So I I'm definitely gonna you take that into consideration. And then he's got the the split decision loss to Khalil Roundtree right before that. So you got to wonder what his confidence is looking like, too. Yeah. Now we get to the co-main event. We are actually picking this one. And this is where we get to our first ranked fight. Now, remember, we have 12 fights here. And out of 12 fights, we only get two ranked fights. And this is for an, quote, away card. And so we get two ranked fights. And uh, five ranked fighters in total. So we have Jessica Andrade sitting at number five in strawweight. And Tatiana Suarez is number 10 at strawweight right now. Um, Victor, I'll let you take it away. I love Jessica. Mm. I don't know that I can trust her mm. in a few matchups. And this is one of them. When you got that kind of hard-nosed wrestler, maybe she can contend here. You know, maybe she can use her striking and work that takedown defense, I guess. I don't know how that would really – I'm having a really difficult time envisioning it playing out that way. You know what I mean? Like, okay, this is what happens you do the math in your head. But then, like, what happens as soon as the bell rings? And I don't know that I like those chances, man. I, I just – I feel bad because Jessica's kind of having um, – she's having a few fights that – a few performances that I – would have hoped she'd done better in, and it doesn't seem like that's happening right now. So I'm tempted to pick Tatiana, but with my luck, she's probably going to get sparked standing <laughs> by Jessica. So, um, you know what? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, I've changed my mind again. I'm, I'm going to go with Jessica again. You know why? Solidarity, motherfucker. That's why I believe. I, none of this shit means anything. You understand? Time is immaterial. Money don't mean shit. Jessica Andrade for the win. I'm also taking Jessica Andrade. Y'all know oh, I shit. love her. All um, right. That's my my favorite gal fighter. Love her, love her, love her. And the thing is, is like she goes in like a bull in a china shop when she first comes out. Man, she, she don't play. She don't fuck around. So I can envision her either steamrolling steam Tatiana or Tatiana grinding her out to a, a victory in an ugly decision. It's going to go one of those two ways. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm banking on Jessica steamrolling her. Mookie is picking Tatiana Suarez. All right, we get to the main event. Our second ranked fight. Now, this one is at a catch weight because last minute replacement, well, about week and a half replacement, um, Corey Sandhagen is taking on Rob Font. 140 pounds. I'm taking Corey Sandhagen. I love Rob Font. I do, I do, I do. But man, Corey Sandhagen might be a bridge too far. Yeah, there were seven fights <laughs> on this card that had to get canceled or reshuffled or uh, exactly. uh, rescheduled. That that's this is this for a card that's been this snake bitten. This is gorgeous. Yeah, it really. You know is. what I'm saying? Like you put you put like two um, 
two like heavy, uh, two like really big contender fights at the top and sell this as a pay per view, I wouldn't be too mad. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's 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 good for a fight night. This is such. I just I want to make sure that that's out there. This is good, and yes, you should invest your time and energy into watching it. I agree with your assessment on Rob Font. I think he's very special. I think he's a tremendous talent. I don't know how he's going to contend with the reach and height, and then the volume that Sanhagen has. And both of these dudes are primarily strikers. They can both grapple. Yes, they both got a um, couple of. Aces up their sleeves in, in 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 various areas, you know, especially when it comes to uh, threatening the submission and then using that to open up more opportunities for strikes on the ground. Working in the clinch, I think maybe Sanhagen might have a bit of an advantage. I think Sanhagen also works a little better behind that jab, so I think I'm going to have to go with him. And I feel bad because, damn, I really want to see Rob Font shine and break through, but I don't see it. All right. So Mookie is also taking Corey Sandhagen. Now we are going to really quick look back at our picks last week. Um, we all picked the same uh, with the exception of one pick. Uh, we all would have picked uh, uh, AJ McKee against Patricio, uh, but that fight got um, tossed by the wayside and Patricio ended up fighting. What was his name? Chihiro Suzuki. I, did I say that right? Chihiro? Yes, you did. Is it Chihiro or Chihiro? Chihiro. Chihiro. Uh, Suzuki defeated Patricio Pitbull. I mean, knocked him out. Two minutes, 32 seconds. I mean, crazy knockout. But anyways, we didn't end up having to uh, add that to our picks because the original fight fell through, as did Wonder Boy versus Michelle Pajeda. Um, Victor, that was the one where you had picked... Um, opposite me and mookie you picked wonder boy um, mm -hmm. we were all wrong on michael chiesa wow i mean we were way way wrong yeah we were correct on bobby green and that was an ugly awful fight because can can we really be proud of being right on that one <laughs> I know, gosh and the eye poke did look a little bit suspicious but I'm yeah gonna... it did it did but i mean at the same time you know, was that really going to change things that much? I don't think so. Um, we were all wrong on Dustin Poirier, but, you know, salute to Justin Gaethje. Nice guy. Yep. So uh, I would like to see the, the rubber match, though. You know, they've got to win. Yeah, I, I, I'm really happy with what um, the conversation that took place after the match. Mm -hmm. Where uh, Justin told Dustin, hey, man, let's not do this shit again. <laughs> like, unless we absolutely have to. I would still like it if they if yeah if it had to but like just for funsies like no nah, man I mean these guys have taken so much from each other at this point unless there's a title implication I'm good with them staying away from each other for a bit yeah and we were all correct on Bud Crawford that was an amazing virtuoso performance oof so basically we all went two and three. So the standings right now, Mookie is in the lead, 63, 53, and 1. Victor, you are one behind him, 62, 54, and 1. I am six behind you at 56, 60, and 1. So, as promised, if you guys will sit right here, even free subscribers, you'll get most of the Mike Swick interview for free. After that, you will have to subscribe if you want the last you know, 25, 30 minutes of it. 
you'll have to subscribe. So stick around. We'll be right back with Mike Quickswick. All right. We are back here with Mike Swick. Mike Quickswick. Mike, thank you for joining us. I'm going to jump right in because I know you are way over there. We are way over here. There's 12 hours difference between us. So first things first, I need you to describe AKA Thailand for me from your perspective. Oh man, it's, it's good to see you. Good to be on the show. But first of all, um, yeah, that's that's a tough one because uh, it's just been my my dream for years, and and I've been it's been an ongoing project for so long. It's never going to stop. Um, I think differently about everything. Um, I go all in with everything, and and I and I do the max and everything. So, AK Thailand essentially is the 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 world's only, um, the world's largest, and the world's most. Um, um, highest credited and reviewed um sports combat training resort built for everyone i guess you could call it um it's it's the first time a, a sports combat facility has been built for everyone specifically not for fighters um for you know decades obviously fight gyms have been built for fighters but no one's ever built a fight gym for everyone for for, for just your everyday person with absolutely no experience all the way to your highest level athlete um including some of the best fighters in the world we have um we do have the contingent of fighters and, and and a fight team it's just a smaller group um and they're just really good it's very hard to be on our team but the gym is basically like disneyland for um for for fighting and and we have you know just it's like fight club the movie we built the gym for it and and it's a gigantic uh you know two acre compound um located here in phuket thailand um, that's the highest rated in the world for, for sports combat gems, trip advisor, uh, and everywhere else. Um, because for everyone, you know, everyone enjoys it. It's, it's never been done before. So people just shockingly, when I saw the movie, I was really hoping and counting that it'd be true, but people really do have a savage side in them. Everybody, no matter if they're working at a desk or they're a construction worker or they're an entrepreneur, we get a lot of celebrities and influencers and business people and you know we just had central sea here for a month after his friend his friend passed and he was hiding out for a month here um we had dan blitzerim a friend a good friend of mine he was here for uh, a month again he's here all the time multiple times a year and we free dive uh, off the coast here on pp island and the caves and everything um we've, get, we've got a lot of a lot of people in um all the time just so many interesting people too cool people from the royal family just came in from dubai nobody knew they were clearly incognito and they just wanted to get in and like fight you know like it's not like fight club now you have to bust people's nose and eyes and do it in parking lots it's like you know it's <laughs> it's an controlled environment training environment but people can still be alpha you know you can put your gloves on put your helmet on go in there train um then they go in there and spar and be in a controlled environment with other people like yourself um and they loved it like the royal family was getting punched in the face and and you know, get punching other people and they had no idea they were you know punching people that were royalty you know they had no clue and they were just enjoying they they massively enjoyed it it was just you know great for them we had the milk boys here um you know trainers were beating them up um, recent or not too long ago um so it's really turned over to be a real big success, which is, thank God, because it was a huge risk. I lost two gyms in the process, just never quit and went all in on this one. And and, and like I said, it's, a, it's the biggest in the world for sports combat. It's uh, highest rated um, and it's the only one of its kind ever that's ever been built. And just, just, just thinking differently like that by building a fight gym for 
everyone was was just it was a risk but it was that one twist that really uh that and the fact that i made it my my vision 100 i think are the two things that made it so unique and so different and 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 helped get it to the level of success that it is and when I say my vision, I say my art, my, my, my masterpiece, as far as my art, like I'm always building crazy things. Like I just built a huge tower. I know uh, the alpha the tower. I was going to ask you next. Tower, what yeah. is that? I just come up with ideas now because I just have this big piece of land. And so I just, um, we have restaurants, on, we have restaurants on site, massive restaurant. We have, you know, huge areas uh, and the, we have the whole entire jungle, the whole entire facility is, is handmade. Uh, we, we ordered everything in from all over Thailand custom built the whole thing from like plants you'll never see a jungle like this anywhere in the world it, every plant grows in different parts of thailand so i mean the, you'll never find one place with all the species of plants but everything's handmade with color and with uh the type of plants and where they're located and how they're presented and where they're at so so when you walk through the facility it's like i said it's like disneyland of fighting but you're in, you're in jungle so you you walk through and you you see the serene jungle and you're training in the middle of a almost six thousand square foot training uh muay thai facility that's open air like a stadium kind of thing um alongside of a, a jungle mountain in the middle of a jungle you can't even see the parking lot. I mean, you just see jungle, you know, and then you look across from there and you see the restaurant and then you have like the backwards area, which is the gold status area. Now, now we have statuses at the gym. Um, the gym is, we're, we're dividing the gym up in different statuses, which um, is like a exclusivity factor that we added into the, the memberships. Um, and so the gold status area has like your basketball court, um, the gold, the alpha tower. I just created this tower. Uh, it's never been built before, but it's a, it's a 17 meter, 52 foot tall uh, stair tower. But it also has ropes on the side. It has pull up bars. It has my flag on the top, the AK Thailand flag. It's ocean view platform on top, ocean view, uh, mountain view, jungle view, gym view. Um, and it's just something I put together. It's basically like a flag pole. I wanted to make it really elaborate and usable and something we can do something cool with. And it turned into this really big hit. It was a gigantic tower. And, and I just recently built that. We're building a tropical pool now. We've got a tropical ice bath outside um, amongst the, the jungle. And uh, so that's the gold status area, the, where those, those areas are. Um, and everything's ran by another thing that's never been done before. Like I said, I think differently about everything. Nothing is I think of the same and do. I don't do anything that anyone else does. I don't do anything the same as anyone else. I don't do anything um, because of anyone else. Um, and and so we also are the first gym in in the world to ever integrate, fully integrate NFTs as gym memberships. And so our we have memberships that are NFTs and they are custom AK Thailand um, macaque monkeys that have like our own actual real. Uh, sellable clothing that they wear and they have statuses as well um silver golden um platinum status soon to be diamond with the new facility that we're going to build and we integrated them into the gym as the, the, it's the first time in history that you could buy a gym membership as an nft that's actually resellable you know, when have you ever heard of buying a gym membership that you can sell in two years for the same thing to your friend or to transfer to your friend or to trade uh give to your friend um, gym memberships have never been resellable before. So with the, the utilities that are amazing that come along with the NFTs, we've been able to do some really cool things with um, the memberships and, and we give our memberships, uh, our members, our holders, uh, unbelievable amounts of value and perks for, for, for their NFTs. And we still have, I think 50 on the public sell of 555 total for 800 
um, but you get a $1,500 gold status membership with everyone for 800 bucks right now. Um, and then you get just a list of uh, discounts and, and all kinds of uh, perks, trips, uh, different things that, that you can take part in. Um, meet celebrities when they come on site, go into the areas like the gold status areas and be able to use those areas. Um, so we're working on that and we're, we're doing some coding on that to make that better for the website um, to where we can actually give our members uh, rewards now where you, the more you come, the more you spend, um, you're going to actually get like, to get a, cre- a credit card, you're going to get rewards back. You can actually raise the status of your NFT card and then you can also get yourself points, which are going to be redeemable for training, food, um, you know, merchandise, stuff like that. Um, and then furthermore, while we had the same digital team that I built for, for that, I've had them, uh, work on also the, the platform that we have now, the education and entertainment platform, which is, I think the best of its kind and the first of its kind in many ways. Um, but we, we have an app now in the app store and Google play and akthailand.tv, and we have hundreds. So during the pandemic, I didn't lay anybody off. I swore to my entire staff at 40, 40. Eight staff now on site, 65 worldwide, and I swore to them that I would lose everything before I would let anyone go. Um, it was a very tough time and scary, and you know, all of our guests that come in here are not tied; they're they're all foreign. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I, have, I have a I have the biggest gym in the whole world, one of the most expensive gyms in the world, and and when they shut the borders down, and it would happen to be for almost like a year or something. You know, but each month it was like shit. You know, like there's none of my none of my people can come in. You know, that's not like a local gym where people from down the road can come. You know, it's, you have to be you're all foreign that come here and pay this premium to to, to train at this gym. So they, the, obviously the the economy is very low here, and and uh, you know it, it's there's a tourist area that I live in. It's mostly all tourism and and people that come in that that, that you know take part in all the different businesses that are here. So that was tough, but what I did end up doing was while I was paying them anyway um, during the pandemic, because I got them to make a ton of uh, videos, a ton of uh, instructional videos, world champion Thai trainers in Thailand, HD, very highly uh, shot. We have a whole media department team, um, very professionally shot um, in the jungle in our in our facility, and we just made hundreds of videos all through the pandemic. And so we put them now on an app, and when you become a member of the app. That's 20 bucks. Well, it's free for the app, and you get to watch all of our fights uh, for free. We're actually doing we do live feeds of the fights in the stadium. So every weekend, almost we have these <laughs> these regular people that are that are savage, <laughs> honest, savage motherfuckers. Like like they're like structure workers, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, businessmen, and we put them in there with local fighters around here, and it's the same level one fight, two fights, whatever. But they're fight gyms, wanted to be fighters, and our guys are like plumbers and like electricians and speakers and like businessmen, and our guys beat them all the time. It's amazing how savage just regular people are. That like, don't even want to be fighters, but there's just absolutely nothing to lose. Crazy savage, and so we have fights every weekend, and those are all live on the app as well. So you can watch like behind the scenes in the stadiums and the interviews before, and watch the fights live on the app on the website. You can watch all the previous fights um, that we've had for free. There's a lot of other free videos. And then we have, obviously, the uh, technical videos for Muay Thai. Um, Like I said, hundreds of them for every type of, from footwork all the way to advanced kicks, knees, elbows, everything shot in high def. Um, Doing live feeds on there. We have a community on there. 
we have um, tips, advice, so much, so much stuff on there. So it's really cool. Um, that's a tip of the iceberg of what we're doing here, but I'm always just building and adding on and trying to do something that's never been done to, to a gym before um, of its kind like this so to make it the, the most different, the most unique and the most successful. So I'm just constantly thinking of ideas and implementing them and building and just continuing to, to live my dreams here in beautiful Phuket, Thailand. You know, Mike, you, I mean, all of this, this incredible list of things that you've just rattled off. I mean, number one, you've made a, an extraordinary effort here. I know you weren't exactly trying to advertise, uh, but you couldn't have had a better marketing line than saying, oh, wait a minute, I could go over there and punch one of the Nelk boys in the face. I think that was pretty good. Uh, secondly, I really have to wonder what a mascot for the Disneyland of MMA would look like. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could come up with some suggestions, which we can talk about offline, because believe me, you don't want to talk about those publicly when it comes from me. But I do have to ask, you know, you, uh, we do need to address this because you had um, you are a cancer survivor. Uh, you had gone through treatment. And I mean, we were all super thrilled to find out that, you know, you had um, been making such amazing progress and we're happy to have you here kicking around and doing what you do. But I got to ask, man, how did you manage doing all of this while you were dealing with your health situation? Um. Yeah, at stage four. Yeah, they told me I had one year to live. Um, so that's why I built the tower. That's why I built my flag tower um, and did it in a, in a rush priority um, because I wanted to make sure I could see my flag go up um, and do what everybody told me I couldn't do um, before I died. And so that was uh, January uh, last year, January before last, um, 22. Um, yeah, I rushed my flagpole, and the, doc, the doctor told me I was going to die in a year if the chemo didn't work against my amount of cancer that I had, had lymphoma, and just out of the blue, you know, being healthy and being fully busy with work, and I was doing so much projects, learning all this tech stuff and all this stuff that we're working on now, getting into the new field and building stuff at AK Thailand and constantly keeping it looking you know, as immaculate as possible with every detail. I'm like, you'll see the undetailed. So, and we have the podcast studio, I forgot to mention too, on site as well at AK Thailand. So the new podcast will be coming back now that I'm cancer free and got over the cancer, by the way. Um, I had to stop because my neck was so swollen that I couldn't even like, it was embarrassing to talk. I'd, you see some of the last episodes and my neck was just, the tumors were so big into my neck. Um, I couldn't even put through the podcast anymore. So I canceled and stopped it, but I just finished building a brand new podcast facility. It's green, right? Yeah. I love yeah, that right. one. I saw it's got the big gorilla on the side. Yeah. I got it hand painted by the same guy that hand paints everything at DK Thailand. He's the, he, he got number fourth Roman. He got number four fourth place in the uh, Thailand's Got Talent competition. He's one of the best painters in Thailand and he hand paints every single detail of AK Thailand. Everything's handmade AK Thailand. The whole entire facility has been made with hand tools, uh, machinery from hands, you know, from people, from hard work. Um, nothing is like brought in. So all, everything's signed. So the outside looks like a, like a green, like a military base kind of. And then the inside is like all decked out red and black, AKA for sure. So it's the, the, it's a complete vision of mine, whether it's right or wrong. I just felt like I can't, or, or whether people like it or don't like it, I can't be really wrong, I guess, if it's my vision because it's what it is. So it's never been done before. I have no, no one to compare it to. So I always felt like if I just stay true to my vision and did everything exactly how I wanted to do it, as far as how it looks, the the, the you know, aesthetics and, and how we build it and what we do and how crazy everything goes, 
um, but to stay true to everything and uniform with with my ideas and not 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 waver from them, at least it'll be unique and at least it'll be my vision and stay true to that and not be a little bit of this, a little bit of that, copying from this person, you know, taking this idea from that person. And so it just turned out to be really successful and people really like it. But I just felt like at worst case, it would just be different and, and they would respect the fact that it's unique if they didn't like it or it wasn't with the color they want or what you know design they want or whatever the case. So yeah, we built the, the, the podcast studio the same way, just built that just like a few weeks ago and um, got it fully painted the outside, fully painted the inside too. It's, it's insane. The, the, I'm having built like uh, five jungle panels on the inside. It looks like you're looking onto the jungle and he's just decked it out amazingly it looks incredible so we're waiting on a custom table right now that that's being built took two months to build a table just for the the room um and that's coming in and i'm gonna put an aquarium in there as well saltwater aquarium and and it's gonna be pretty sick but getting back to cancer i guess i should talk about that a little bit um (laughs) yeah it's uh it was one of those things that, I, you know, I'm a fighter and I fought for everything I've had to fight for in my life. And to be honest with you, I mean, it's, it's stage four cancer. I was supposed to die. I beat it. I beat it in record time. It took one year to, to knock it out. Um, I, I savagely did it by almost killing myself. I mean, it was cancer and me. Well, you're one of the two. So it was like um, I had to fight hard. But it, it really was one of the easiest fights I've had as far as like. So I don't think about it much as far as like length and time and, and how much effort I put into these other things I'm talking about. Like I've felt so many times and I've, I've been just knocked down so many times and, and it's so important for people to realize, like, like if people look at me now and they're like, well, you've been successful with this and this and this, I mean, like fight career, your business before I'm AKA all this, whatever these things are. It's like, yes, I've been successful with the things I've pursued. Yes, you're right. But I've failed it <clears throat> every single one of those things at least two times, you know, like it, there's nothing I've been successful at that, I've, that I haven't failed two or three times to learn the, the best way to do it and the proper way to do it. And so I think that's where people, you know, need and with cancer this will flow back into cancer but um this is where people need to, to stop thinking the way school breaks you schools does not teach you correct school is wrong and school is why i never pursued college and why i never will and i will never tell my kids they have to do the same um school teaches you right or wrong pass or fail win or lose and that's it there's it's a definitive yes or no there's no there's no other options and in the world there, there's a fucking lot of options there's a lot of ways to win. There's a lot of ways to lose. And there's, you should you should be open to be creative on how you do that, that. And you should also be open to think that there's no boundaries that they put on you in America. I hate America in certain aspects for, for that and, and, and also school because they put boundaries on you. Like, why can't I come to Thailand and live? Why can't I build my dreams on an island in Thailand? Why, 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 why can't I? do this why can't why does a doctor have to know everything why does the police have to know everything you know people i respect for what they know and beyond that it's like like i'm like i'll get back to the cancer and use this real great example of this but um they, they put these boundaries on people and so they don't think outside the box they don't think differently they don't they think they fell one time and they think well i just can't do it i'm i felt i'm, I'm this isn't for me and they walk away and they go back to to doing whatever else does and in reality, it's the failure is part of the process, and that's how you learn. And that's that's how I learned my mistakes every time. It's like getting the, you know, when you fail a test in school, you get your your your, your sheet back and has the right answers on it. But you can't ever retake that test again. You just failed. And and but if you could, you had the answers. The teacher gave you the right answers and told you where you were wrong. And if you could take that test again, 
you're going to pass that test. And that's what I did. And that's what I've always done with failure. And I embrace failure because it does give you that cheat sheet and it does lay that blueprint out on how to do things right and how to do them, no matter how crazy they are to come as a Texas boy with no Muay Thai fights to Thailand in a country with no with the most Muay Thai gyms in the world who invented Muay Thai and build the biggest, best gym that's ever been. And, 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 and to get rewarded by Thailand for 2022 and 2023 is the best Muay Thai school in Thailand. That's incredible. Like that's something you never would imagine could ever happen. And to do it the, completely the wrong way. I don't have fighters. My trainers are, don't train people for specific traditional Muay Thai fighting. They, they train people for what they came in for. Customer experience is number one for us. It's the most important thing in my gym. Every single staff member in my gym knows that the, the first job is customer experience. Your second job is what I hired you for. So your job is to know what the person came for. If it's influencer girls that want to have fun and take pictures, laugh and joke and be clowns and, and put them in good positions and have them take fun photos. If, if someone's there to lose weight, make them work. Don't stop them every five minutes to correct their technique. They're not fighting Lumpini Stadium Championship. You know, they're there to lose weight and 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 take the pounds off. Make them work. You know, if they're there to fight, make them be the best fighter. If they're there to, you know, have fun and have the uh, sparring sessions and be alphas and stuff, and let them enjoy. It. Let them get as rough as they want to be. Control it, um, and let them have fun. Everyone has fun, and then that's what's what's sold. The world is so miserable. Like I have cancer and stuff like that as well. Um, and there's so many down downsides of the world you know you work all day you get told what to do you're you're, you're sick you know you're, you're sad you lose somebody you're having a girl, girlfriend you're, there's a lot of miserable things that happen in your day day life you know and so like when you you know have a business like i have my job is to sell happiness my job is to take you out of that world that, that that's miserable that we live in and 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 give you those happy moments that you deserve and that you want that you're paying for and so it's been it's been the number one thing for me. Um, but to, just to give you an idea, like when I fought cancer, you know, I, I had to do research because if I couldn't figure out how to because the doctor's like, it depends on how the cancer or the chemo takes to your your cancer to your body right. as to how you live. And I'm just like, well, not really. <laughs> this is not very it's not a very direct answer, sir. I'm like, you know, like uh, it doesn't matter how chemo takes to my body. What you're basically saying is how much cancer chemo can kill. So my mission and now is to make sure that, that chemo kill that cancer because if that happens, I'll live. You know, if it doesn't, I'm not going to live. So then it became, you know, a situation where I just had to do a lot of research and figure out, you know, basically put cancers in my opponent and say, how can I how can I defy the odds and, and beat this cancer and still not because I'm the boss at my job. There's no one above me. There's no, there's no one I report to or, or nothing. So I have to answer every single question. I can't take a day off. I can't take, you know, I, I can do my job from anywhere from my phone. I don't even use a computer hardly. And, and I answer questions all day and approvals. I have systems in place, managers, directors in place, but I have to at least be attentive to that. And I have to get answer these day to day questions because I built a company like a, a, a major company. And, and most of the people that work for me that are in the executive level, and administration level don't know anything about fighting and that's the whole reason i hired them they're, they're from the best resorts in, in, in thailand and their jobs are immaculate they do a fantastic job it was one of the, we're the number one high school where we, we have everything in line perfect everything is, is done right but it's not because i took people from fight gyms and, and they didn't know anything i took the best people from the best businesses and the, the knew the, their job the best but that leaves me having to answer all the questions about fighting and about training and all that, because there was there's nobody at my level here that 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 has an experience that I have with fighting and training. So, 
I was like, how can I, how can I beat this cancer and still be able to, you know, not let this affect me and be an example and show people that, you know, you don't have to just listen to doctors because they're doctors and you don't have to just listen to holistic people because they're holistic and they're telling you not to use doctors. You don't have to just listen to anyone for any reason. You should always make your decisions and go with what your research tells you and do research on everything. And so I took a little bit of everything. And what I came up for myself was I need to weaken cancer. Like it's just like an opponent. I need to break it down. I broke it down to what it was. It's a broken cell. It's already a wounded, broken cell in your body. It's it's a weak cell. It's, so you're already fighting something that's that's, that's weak and, and doesn't need much more to die. Um, if you're fighting good cells in your body, that would be a lot harder of a fight. But you're not. You're fighting a weakened, broken half cell. Um, okay, so that's good. And and then I had a lot, and and it was you know that was the problem. So <clears throat> I started researching what cancer eats, and I planned to starve it to starve as much as I could to, to wound it and to make it hungry, to make it, um, as weak as possible by the time I got to do chemo, um, for the first time in January, I think end of January, 2022. Um, and I did so much research and I, I made so much time. And I, what I came to realize is I could take the sugar away, which I haven't had maybe like two things of dessert and a year and a half of that I've literally cut sugar out of my life. Uh, meats. Um, I became a vegetarian for a while. I eat fish and chicken now a little bit, but um, mostly vegetarian. Um, so I, I took out all the foods that cancer traditionally eats um, and substituted with all natural type foods. But that being said, cancer still does eat natural foods. It does eat natural sugars. It does eat those foods as well. So I was like, well, fuck, <laughs> I can't starve it. You know, the only way I can starve it is if I starve myself. And I'm sure you've seen that photo of me at 150 pounds in the hospital, um, especially the newest one I posted next to myself right now at 210, um, you know, 60, 60 pounds difference in weight. Um, so what I had to do was, uh, before I went in for chemo, I had decided to starve myself, like completely, <laughs> like for days. I'm talking like 50 pounds. I started, I starved myself 50 just under 50 pounds and if you see that photo of me in the hospital that's not the cancer that made me that made me that skinny at that at that stage i was losing weight but i wasn't that skinny um that was me not eating for like nothing but water for days and days and days to a point where like um because i had to also stop the prednisone the swelling medicine mm. for my lymph nodes so i i, I then had swollen lymph nodes back again completely swollen out because i knew they wanted to test me and see them in their full capacity when i started chemo and then i was also starving so i was i was like i couldn't i was shaking and pain and like it was just it was one of the hardest things i've ever done um to try to sleep try to function try to think try to work which i worked every single day um but i started myself to that photo that you saw on on my instagram and that i posted and you saw on all the new sites and everything um to 151 pounds from uh, just right at 200 pounds and I starved myself and I got in the hospital. And then, of course, this is why I don't listen to doctors or anybody else except outside of what their specialty is, is because they're telling me I'm wrong. You know, they're telling me that, that, that I'm endangering myself and it's dangerous to starve yourself and it's dangerous to put yourself in this condition. And what are you doing? You're sick already with cancer. And how, how are you? You know, you, you got to eat. You got to have protein. You got to have this and that. And I'm like, well, sir, I was like, you know, have you ever lost anybody from starvation? And he's like, well, no. And I'm like, well, then don't tell me about starvation unless you've lost somebody from starvation. You got experience with like someone dying from starvation. To me, I'm going to die of cancer or I'm going to beat this. And if this is the best option that I've came up with, 
I'm going with it. I'm I'm full on. I'm going to die trying or it's going to, if I have to start myself halfway to death or almost to death to kill this cancer, I'm going to do it if that's what it's going to take. And eight days after doing chemo, and I started chemo for the first time with no food. So I haven't had food in days and days. And the first thing that went into my body was just pure, absolute poison chemo for the whole day. I didn't eat that night as well, which I'll say is probably one of the most miserable nights of my entire life. Um, and then the next day, I only ate vegetables, so just vegetarian. And then the next day was chemo again, and then I'd start myself again. And then vegetarian, and then start myself again for chemo, and then vegetarian. I did that for the first week. Um, by week, by the end of the first week, uh, on day number eight, I had no tumors, no lymph nodes swollen, no symptoms of cancer, no, absolutely nothing. Not, not, a, not a single symptom that said I should even be in a hospital, except that I was just really skinny. Felt great. Um, back to eating again. And the doctor was just in shock. He just brought all the doctors in and was just like, couldn't believe that like all my lymph nodes were not swollen and that I was, you know, I looked good. You can't know until you take a PET scan 100%, but my blood was clear. You know, they, they couldn't find even cancer, in my, much cancer in my blood. I had cancer, but it was very, very small. Um, but I apparently killed in that first month 95% of my cancer um, in that first month of, of, of chemo from that starvation and, and wounding cancer wounding the cancer like I did. So I'm I'm yeah. sorry I'm I'm sorry to interrupt Mike, but just just briefly, I, I wonder if you would I mean you've you've been you had been an athlete for such a long time, you know, keeping your body in great condition and, you know, just staying staying in, in generally better health than the average person. Do you think that maybe that might have aided the chemo in in uh, allowing your body to combat the cancer, and maybe that could have also played a greater part more so than 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 not consuming nutrients. Um, not really. Um, okay. I, just, I think being savage and being and being as dedicated and and crazy as I am is is what I contribute to that, and that had an effect on my career. So I did things in my career that that were along the same lines, but I never cut weight. I never cut a lot of weight in my career, to be honest. I had to lose weight because of esophageal spasm. So I had a medical condition, but I never I never cut a lot of weight. And this wasn't water weight. This was this was actual food weight. So right. um, I wasn't like dehydrating myself from water and stuff like I would be in fighting. So it doesn't really pertain. It, had, it wasn't like I based my experience off of these massive cuts I had in fighting. It was just a matter of if it comes time to go savage, I'm going to be the guy that's going to do it to the max to the end and, and, and take it to the to farthest extreme to, to do something. Um, and I think that mentality is what you need to have. And that's what's missing with people who have cancer, a lot of people who have cancer now. And I didn't realize that until I started to get these messages in my inbox um, after I beat cancer and post that photo where I was 210 pounds. I came out, I was 220 actually. My first beat cancer. I was fat though. I was fat 220 because I just was eating those vegetarian food and I wasn't training. Um, living was more important than training at that time and working. Um, but um, now I'm now I'm worked out myself down to like 205 and I'm really good shape. But um, when I first came out, um, people were messaging me and they were just like, you know, I have cancer and they, <clears throat> I want to live and and I want to beat it like you did. And how did you beat it so fast? Um, but they want me to do chemo and I don't want to do chemo and, and that's just scary. And I'm just like, that mentality, I'm just I'm just like, do you want to die? I mean, I didn't say it quite like that, but it's just like, 
you're fighting for your life. You know, it's like some at some point, this life doesn't become free anymore, and you you got to earn your place. You know, like at some point, and you got to be, you got to think about this too. You're lucky as shit. You know, like yeah, so many people die in a, in a second. You know, they have car accidents. They they get you know worse diseases, and and they have issues where they don't have a chance to say goodbye, or they don't have a chance definitely to fight and to win their life back. So it's like if you get that opportunity where you get something where you can actually fight and you can get your life back, fucking fight. And it's going to suck and it's going to be hard and it's going to hurt and it's going to be miserable. But fuck, it's worth it. I and mean, when you win, like I did, my life is back to being better than it ever has been. I'm 44. You know, I'm like great shape. I'm, I'm feel great. It's not like I have like lingering issues where i have like missing limbs or my brain is off or something like that it's like when you win this battle you win everything back so why not fight to the death because that's what's going to happen if you lose and that's the mentality i think people need to get so i'm not trying to give medical advice i'm not trying to say do exactly what i did and starve yourself i mean you do what you what you feel comfortable doing but just whatever you feel is a smart thing to do Take it to the max because it's not easy. And if you leave it in the doctor's hand, I'm telling you, I've been misdiagnosed when I first got cancer several times. D different doctors thought different things and different treatments and and said different you know options and and they don't know. There's just they they're not not all of them are on the same wavelength. And if you leave your your whole life into someone else's hands and they make a mistake or or they do what their job is, which is that they're they're business people. They're there to make money. So that's not good for you. That doesn't put you in a, that doesn't prioritize you as a top priority for them. You're a patient who's going to pay them money. The longer they make you take chemo, the more money they make. When my insurance covered my uh, cancer, or what part that it did cover, the chemo, it covered 10%. Everything else, the doctors and the million dollar machines and all this other stuff was like, you know, 40, 50, 60%, whatever the case. But the chemo was 10%. The pharmaceutical companies rule. You know, they, they're, they're making their money on their medicine. And you're paying a, the, the chemo was the most expensive part of, of the entire cancer fight. So they're, it's, you're their business. If that doctor talking to you cares about you so much and you're going to leave your life in his hands and do everything he says because he's going to try to get you out of there as fast as possible and do it as, you know, as cheap as possible for you. He would be a humanitarian in a different country helping kids, you know, for free. He's not. He's, he went to college specifically to be a doctor, to make a lot of money, to be rich and to have a good family, and have a good life. And that means you are the person that's going to give it to him. So to me, it's like you do do what you feel like you should do. Do your research and be ready to fight and fight hard. And and that's the best advice I can give, because that's what I did. And it worked. Like I said, stage four leukemia and I beat it in a year and and. Uh, but it was hard, you know, it, it's, it, it's not for, it's not what everyone's going to think. And I feel bad for people that are older and, and, and that, that can't put the fight up that I did. Well, now that we have picked your cancer down to its atoms, I want to rewind yeah. a little bit with you because okay. you've managed to do some things throughout your life that most people don't get to do. For instance, you and your mother, were the first mother-son team to be granted top secret government clearance. 
I remember you were telling me about that a long time ago. You worked at the Russian embassy. You speak Russian. I remember, golly, I think it was around UFC, I want to say 60. Sometime around there, me and Ryan and Evan were interviewing you and you you told us that you could speak Russian and none of us believed you when you spoke Russian to us on air. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I, I, I did. Uh, I was the first mother and son on a project like that level of clearance. Well, we had to have ex- a top secret clearance and acceptability review. And then I worked, I worked with the State Department in Russia and I've dated only Russian girls since then. It's pretty funny. But um, <laughs> totally listen. I totally listened to the plan. Um, so I love the interrogations. But, but, but um, yeah, so like, uh, yeah, I did that. And then uh, and when I got the, 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 the UFC, um, I never got to serve, you know, and I, and I don't support the wars, but I support the the the, the veterans and, and and the wounded warriors and the our, our military that has to go to war because I grew up in small town Texas, you know, and that's where they get these guys from. Small town Texas, you know, small town those small towns that don't have a lot. They, these guys grew up like me, poor, and they see these commercials and it's like see the world and travel and get education and they're like, wow, that sounds amazing, you know, and. They, they want to do it. And then next thing you know, they're in Fallujah, you know, getting shot at in the convoy and they're losing their arms and, and, and they didn't want to be there in the first place, you know? And, and so I did during my USC career between every single fight, I, I, I would organize trips with USO and a, um, AFE and I would go to overseas. I was in Iraq two times. I was in Afghanistan two times, um, Djibouti, Germany, all, all, I was in Ludwig, uh, Wounded Wars and Ramstein and into C-130s to head to Walter Reed, you know, and, and I did 20 overseas military support tours um, during my USC career for at least, the, the least ones were like a week and a half to two weeks each. So 20 of those, and I did stateside as well, visiting Walter Reed multiple times um, to show support to these guys that like, so I would go to Germany <clears throat> I'm pretty sure it was Ramstein there, but um, it was where they came in from Iraq when they first got wounded. And I was their first visitor, like our group or whatever, um, that we organized through either my, my, my clothing line combat life or through a uh, USO or whoever. And we were like the first visitors they had. And, and just that, that impact was so powerful because these guys had just went through the most traumatic experience of their entire lives. And then, you know, they got shipped off to, to Germany where they got you treated. They haven't been home yet. And then we would come in and visit them and they, it would just mean so much to them. And it was just so heartwarming because, you know, these guys, you know, they were so sad and so lonely and, and just went through so much. And, and they appreciated that we went there and that we you know, were supporting them. So I did that through my whole USC career. That, that never changed. Um, and then, yeah. So yeah, I've done, I've done I've done some stuff, I guess, but it's uh, I just don't stop. I don't sleep. I don't I don't. It's the only world I'm ever gonna live in. So I want to make the most of it, and and I want to do as much as I can and make the biggest impact. And so AK China now is my is my my you know my chair here in, in Phuket, and so I mm-hmm. have a beautiful chair and and. Uh, I'm just continuously building this gym to do things that's never been thought of and never been done and um, make 
uh, you know, great customer service and, and a great atmosphere for people to come in and, and, and change their lives. And we, we get thousands of people that fly in here every year. They fly in yeah. specifically and they book 90% of people book months before they come. So they come to Thailand to this place or, or my gym because they've already booked. And it's so great to see these people and talk to them and hear their stories and, and, and it's not me hanging out with fighters all the time. I mean, like, like I did before, these are all right. just, everyone's different and they're all just people from well, different walks. You, you, you also, I mean, you, you've got a pretty magnificent story of your own. I mean, you tell us a little more about your origins, you know, prior to the UFC, what, what your experiences were like, and then what led you inevitably to get your way into the big show. I was an ultimate fighter. So I got onto the ultimate fighter. No, go this back. I want you I to mean, go back further back. The, yeah. Yeah. Like we want to hear your gym experience when you first got started, your first few fights. What were the gyms like? I mean, were y'all in there on little baby puzzle mats in a garage? I mean, that's what I want to get to a little bit more is your, your baby, baby years fighting. Your mom got you fighting, right? She, she knew that you liked the karate movie. So she put you in karate. Yeah, I was in Taekwondo for first, and she got me like a membership because um, I wanted to watch a Karate Kid. I wanted to beat up the bad guys and get the girl, and <laughs> I thought that was cool. And so she got me a membership at Taekwondo at a Taekwondo school, um, and yeah, you know, uh, it, st- I mean, it started with like I had to pick something to be good at. My father died when I was young, and it was it was a mess, and. Uh, it was a lot to deal with, and I just wanted people to re- remember him and to know he was really strong and, and, and keep him alive as long as I could, even though he had passed. So I knew that was like my path initially was to do something to bring to, to bring him back. Um, and we had the same name, and I was his only child, and so uh, his only son. So um, to me, it was I had to get that name, our name. As, as as strong and big and powerful and and out there as much as possible so i uh, started out and the only thing i had at that time was was martial arts and so fighting was like my avenue because i couldn't do anything else except fight and i wasn't that great at that to be honest so i just pursued fighting and and then uh that fire inside to, to be, to do that, follow that path is what really got me to, to the level that I did with such small skill set that I had just out of fierce fighting and, and being aggressive and wanting it so bad. I got to the level that I did with those 15 UFC fights um, with, without any real background of any kind of talent or skill set that, that would enable me to have an advantage, like a wrestling background or, a, you know, this or that. Um, and then that's why, you know, when I fought in the UFC, it was I knew it was temporary. It's like Dana was right when he said it was a, a stepping stone and not a career. But, you know, I knew that. And then so I just wanted to become big enough and respected enough and make enough to pursue something afterwards that I could take care of myself with like I have now to be able to have a life like this and, and, and be on my terms and build something and do something in business and be accepted in circles and just just have it easier for me. And I wanted to be like a celebrity to, to a celebrity, but famous enough to like have respect, but not like to be like like the left, like a like a. I never wanted to be like a like an actor or or someone of like status where I have to live in my house and hide for the rest of my life. But I wanted to have a level of notoriety where I could be easily uh, entered into circles and be respected by people that could help benefit me in the future. You know, like the business and with 
like now with my gym, people who know me who come here that are celebrities and what started the whole celebrities coming in and influencers and all that was because they knew me from fighting and stuff. So I, I knew it would help in that regard. And so when I got in the UFC, to me, the only thing I care, I didn't even like fighting, to be honest. The only thing I really cared about was just getting as far as I could, getting as big as I could to help my further career. I was already building business. I already had a print shop in, in San Jose doing seven figures a year while I was still in the UFC. So I was already learning business and getting prepared for being, oh, wow. being a business person. Um, it's still owned by my family. I divorced my wife in 2018, um, gave her half, and then gave the rest of her family. Um, so they still have the print shop now. It's in Northern California. We were doing 11,000 t-shirts a day when, when I was, when I, when I left, uh, and, and gave them that and came here. Um, but I'd already started working in business and stuff. So I was just fighting to fight and to be as big as I can. Of course, I wanted to be a champion. Of course, I wanted to be the best. And, and, but to me, the biggest, the biggest thing I took from it that made me the most proud for being a fighter is when I never, I never heard my name one time when I was fighting and it never, and then like Bruce Buffer never said my name. Um, the stadium never showed my name. It was always my father's name. That was my, that was my call to him. Um, because we shared the same name. So like when, when the stadium would say my name and you see it wrapped around the stadium, that was like as big as I could put it to him, kind of like to show him, I'm not really religious, but whatever possible outcome could happen from dying. I knew that like, that was the closest way I could kind of give back to him and show, show him that I kept him alive as long as I could. And, and, uh, you know, carried him on to show how strong our blood was and to show what we can accomplish and show where, how big I could make his name. And uh, even though he had been gone for a long time. So that was, that was the biggest thing for me through my career. Um, and then it would, then it became fighting as much as I had to do after that got to that level of, 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 I guess, notoriety and, 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 and ranking in UFC to, it became more just, just getting what I needed built up for building this dream in Thailand. Um, how many times I had to fight, how many times I had to do this to, to get what I needed to come here and build this, this dream that was really tough to do. In your corner, when they would flip the banner down, you didn't have like the NASCAR banner. You you didn't have 50,000 sponsor logos on your banner. You used to be sponsored by Toyo Tires. You were also sponsored by a luxury watch company and I can't remember if it was Tap Out or it was some clothing company. But the first or second time I interviewed you, you told me you made about three times more off your sponsors than you than you did off your purse. You know I invented the sponsor banner, right? I did not, but please yeah. elaborate. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that... Go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, 
the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA depressed us.